This is a podcast from Minute Media. And let's go. This is the Back Row Bengals Show, college football playoff edition. I am your host, Josh Miller. This is all brought to you by fansided.com. Go ahead over there. You can read all about blogs, all about any other sport. If you want to read some of my work and read a lot about the Bengals, go to the Stripe Hype spot. You can find all of my blogs, find all of my other people's blogs, and uh, they're all good reads and they're all talented writers. So please go over there. But today, we are not talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. We are talking about the University of Cincinnati Bearcats and the college football playoff. Now, obviously, we are a week away. We still have a week away from our actual like game analysis podcast, but we'll go quite a bit longer than this one will. So we're just going to be kind of breaking down, talking not anecdotally, but empirically. Brian, do you know what that means? No. I'm not sure okay. I know. Okay. <laughs> it's all right. So basically we're just going to be talking about the entire entirety of the season compared to other seasons, et cetera, et cetera. And with me here, always my brother, the guy that has been through UC's thick and thin he, his entire tenure at UC was under the Tommy Tuberville era. That's just so sad, but he's here and he's joining us live. Brian, how are we doing? Well, you know, at least I'm not like Tom in Tuberville. I don't have a golf game set up for <laughs> 3.30 and got to get out of here early. I got something else going on this afternoon. So uh will be a quick show, but it is not to uh, get my 3.30 tea time out of the way like Tommy Tuberville did for so many years. That is an actual fact. Tommy Tuberville did indeed do that. He closed out a game early and did not take timeouts because he had his tea time set up after that. So let's talk about that. So, again, I can, kind of this show, I want to talk about University of Cincinnati football as kind of a history and of recent history as well. And I want to talk – so before we get to the high points, let's start low and then we'll go up after that. <laughs> we were talking about last night at the UC basketball game. What mm-hmm. were some of the biggest low points in this in this program's history, especially over the recent history. You mentioned it, that Tommy Tuberville game. So I, I want to ask you, what was what would you say is the lowest low point of this uh, college football program? Yeah. We're, um, talking, well, we're talking modern era, so, so nothing talking, like – yeah. We're talking recently. I mean, because we could talk – we could talk pre-Mark right. uh, D'Antonio years yeah. and – you know, you have a lot of Rick Minner years, and then you have the years before that, um, you know, and really, uh, you know, I wouldn't really become a fan until after their Orange Bowl game in 2008, um, and then, you know, the, everything just kind of took off from there. Right. Um, but I think if we're talking, you know, the last 10 years or so, um, you know, you got to look at a couple things. You look at the Butch Jones when he left um, to go somewhere else, and I kind of felt that was kind of a low point because mm. this was the next coach in line after um, Brian Kelly had left. And at that point, I don't really think that we thought that UC was a stepping stone program. Um, but then once he left, once Bush Jones left, uh, you, you kind of had the sense that, you know, things were going to be this way for a while. And as much as we didn't want to compare ourselves to the upper echelons of college football that was a major thing right there is uh watching your coach leave after two years and then uh you know you immediately go from that kind of feeling uh to maybe a bit of a high point when they uh signed tommy toberville to a coaching contract and were like holy crap they just got this coach out of the sec just national champion 
He got at, at Auburn, and he went to Texas Tech, plucked him away from Texas Tech. And like, are you kidding me? Like, this is this is incredible. He went to UC. Like, and so you look at you. It, it's kind of funny looking back now at the low point, high point of that part right there. Uh, pretty incredible to watch. Yeah, that that's that's definitely the the Butch Jones going from Butch Jones leaving to go to Tennessee was a, was a big uh, was a was a big low point, and I think a lot of it that was coming off the heels of the disbandment of the Big East, and I think that a lot of that that's I think a good point. You can throw that into there as well, but I agree that's a good with point. You. It's just like yeah. we never really like we're not like you know after Brian Kelly was like yeah this is a destination he said that. Right. Uh, before the Sugar Bowl, then obviously he he went ahead and left with him and his family up to uh, South. <laughs> Start talking like a Indiana Indiana and whatever. And you did well. And you also look at the you also look at the fact that they created this new conference called the American Athletic Conference and yeah. had some stupid ass logo. Who <laughs> we didn't know who they were. It basically was just what we knew it would be, which was the formation of the leftover Big East teams who didn't get selected for college basketball. And so, uh, you know, pretty disappointing right there, especially, you know, when you get grouped into a conference with South Florida and, uh, you know, I think Tulsa was Tulsa in the original AAC or did they, they, they might've, I'm not sure. I'm, I'd have to go back and look, but yeah, uh, the original, you know, quote unquote, eight teams or whatever it was, um, you know, just the the dregs of the teams that got left behind in the Big East formed the new conference. And then you throw on top of that, Butch Jones leaving for Tennessee. Uh, really just a really murky time uh, to be a Cincinnati fan. I think more so, and I think you would agree, it wasn't just the um, it wasn't just the fact that that was actually happening. It was the fact that there was so much murkiness about the future of the program and that I don't think nobody really knew what was going to happen. And then you top on top of all of that, they announced this college football playoff thing starting in 2014. And we're like, Oh boy, this is, uh, no this, pass, this, this, right. this feels like the end of the program. And I think you would say that you would agree with the same thing. Yeah. We were definitely going to be looking at, uh, I mean, just, just exactly that. Like it, where is this program going to go? Even though we got Tommy Tuberville, but they, I mean, when, when the AAC, they're like, they started coining the power six. It's like, why, why, why are we doing that? Because <laughs> as, as, as soon as you admit to it, then it's like, well, then there's you, you automatically just make it what it is. Right. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it, it's, it's just, it's, it's so crazy to see where we obviously have come from. So, I mean, that, that was a giant low point. I would say the low point in terms of like a game, and maybe I would say losing to yeah. South Florida by like 70 had to be, yeah. had to be up there. Um, yeah. I would say getting getting whooped by San Diego State in a bowl game where we weren't even relevant was a yeah. big low point. I mean, and the list goes on and on. But uh, yeah. I would, I mean, the at home BYU game where it was the go to hell get a job game, which is still honestly that that's a moment in UC football history that a lot of us kind of like are trying to throw away. But like that was a yeah. big moment. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll never forget. You know, I was. Um, in the stands for that game as as a student and uh you know we we're just i mean it it was a game where they you see what was kind of in the league because of the score but they really weren't um and you know byu i think they they tacked on the uh like two scores late in the game and me and me and a buddy were sitting there watching the game and we walked out early and 
with about probably two minutes to go. And it was a decent crowd on hand. And we, we, we get back to my apartment that night and, uh, you know, have, having no idea what, what, what had happened. Right? right. And we get back to our apartment and we flipped on. And I, I remember pretty distinctly that Alabama and LSU were playing that night. So we flipped on the game, cracked open a, a, a cold pop, so to speak, and uh, got onto Twitter. And then we see this video from Keenan Singleton of Channel 9 News, WCPO. That Man, shows, that is a good memory. That shows, <laughs> That's that, shows that, that, that shows there's a video of Tommy Tuberville going back and forth with a fan and you almost Thank wonder you almost wonder right you almost wonder what would happen if that video never got posted or anything like that i mean what a, what a, yeah. a crazy sequence of, of events that, that day right yeah because they very shortly after was when tommy tuberville resigned as uh as head football coach uh so we, we talked a lot about the low points here um but but let, let, let's bring it back let's, let's bring it back here let, let's bring it back up here <laughs> Um, but one of the things that I was listening to Tony and Mo, and they were talking about this 2021 year versus uh, the 2009 year. And I think a lot of people do that comparison. I think this team this year is, is far better. But one thing that Tony said that 2009 has over this team is that they have the biggest moment in UC's football history. So obviously it's the pike to bins. I, and, and I'm thinking about that. I was like, yeah, probably biggest moment, like single play moment, probably. Can you think of a, a single play or a single moment from the 2021 year that would either rival or surpass that? Uh, my heart says no, just because that single moment was such a special, like it, that's such an iconic moment for most Cincinnati sports fans that I think even when you're talking 20, 30 years down the road from now, we're still going to remember that one play in 2009. Um, I want to say that them be beating Notre Dame at, at Notre Dame was a big one, um, especially how it contributed to them being in the college football playoff. But in terms of actual um, moments that single-handedly took over that moment, I can't, I can't think of one. I mean, are you? Do you have one in in particular that you're you're thinking about here? Well, then you could also you could also throw in the field rusher when we won the 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 American Athletic Conference championship. We can throw that in there. <laughs> um, you can you can always point to uh, I would say in a single play moment. I would say when Desmond Ritter uh, with the last touchdown against Notre Dame. That was with like five minutes left. Uh, Notre Dame just pulled it to within four, and then yeah. I mean, and then they just drove right down the field and scored. But a, a single moment that defines UC football, I, I don't know if this year yeah. provided one like that one. So I, I would I would say so. I would say the other thing too about that about that that game back in two thousand nine is that it was so special in the fact that it was Pittsburgh and mm-hmm. yeah that you know, throw the, that in the there, Cincinnati yes. Pittsburgh rivalry was really starting to heat up with mm-hmm. you know the Bengals and the Steelers and the Reds and the Pirates and then now you have. UC football and uh, Pitt football really running up against each other. And you look at the fact that those teams were both highly, highly ranked. And we knew that if UC had ended up winning and you had um, a Texas, a Oklahoma, or I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. If one of those teams ended up losing, that uh, UC would end up making it to the uh, national championship that year. The Phantom, and so, se- the Phantom second. 
the Phantom second. Right? And then if that if the Phantom second happens, then Brian Kelly might stay for the national championship. It is a yeah. whole there's a whole butterfly effect that you can go into the, to now. Um, so you brought up the Notre Dame game. Do you think that is the biggest win in University of Cincinnati football history? Yes, without yeah. a doubt. That's without a doubt. Yeah, you you look at that that win and where it was in terms of uh, how it impacted their postseason chances. Without a doubt, that is their biggest win in program history. Um, would you agree? Would you say the same thing? Yeah, I, I would say so. I would say obviously winning the American Athletic Conference Championship is always is 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 always you know great. Walking into Notre Dame, I, I think beating them by double digits and, and and covering the number and never really giving up that they never gave up the lead ever. Um, I, I think that definitely. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I would have to look back. I would say that's probably the biggest win. I think going into Pittsburgh and winning. I think the moment. I agree. The moment it was yeah. the biggest, but. Um, I, I think looking back now, that's got to be the biggest. Uh, if so we couldn't I, pick if it if we couldn't pick the Notre Dame game, and we had to pick a different game. Yeah, this, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll go from from this season, and it can't be the AAC championship game. It can't oh, be Notre it, has Dame. Be, it has to be this season. Yeah, I would say that first deep play touchdown against SMU was really really cool. big i think cool. that i think that might be the moment um you can't if you can't throw in the american, the american championship um but um i would say also on top of that the the tulsa goal line stand as bad yeah. as that setup yeah. was but in order God. to have college football playoff and find a way to win and all that that's yeah. that's a big moment i would say what would yeah. you pick I, I I like the the Tulsa goal line, um, but um, I'll uh, I'll I'll give another one. It was the and I just it just slipped out of my mind. So give me one second. I'm sorry. The kickoff but, return versus Indiana was also could also that be was what there, I was I thinking. Of. Okay, yeah. the uh, the comeback in uh, at Indiana, I would say mm-hmm. it was probably up there for me, just because of the fact that it, it really felt like the the it was starting to slip a little bit out of UC's grasp, and then they get the personal, the personal foul on the linebacker. He get he gets ejected, and then UC yep. seemingly drives right down the field, scores, and then all of a sudden it feels like okay, UC's finally got their footing. And if they don't win that game, they probably don't win Notre Dame, and who knows what the hell happens from there. So, right, um, you know, I I I think in terms of the momentum for the season, man, that was huge. And uh, I I would say for me. As cool as as Notre Dame was, the second best moment, even though Indiana wasn't that great, uh, and they weren't, we knew that, but they were a, a preseason ranking. So you, you at, that, at that time, they were good. At that time, you they give were them something. Good. Yeah. yeah. So I would say that was probably outside of the AAC championship in Notre Dame was probably the biggest moment for me. Okay. Yeah. And, and absolutely, like that. That's that's about. That's about right, honestly. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you think that? I mean, obviously now if they go and they win, uh, not if when they win, you know, this next game in the Cotton Bowl, and then when they win the national championship, those will probably be much much bigger. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but so let's go, let's go. I want to jump to another another topic here. We're just kind of going all over the place. I mean, it's my I like show. it. I like I'll it. Whatever the hell I want. I like it. it. Um, so Cotton Bowl, the drip has come out. We are rocking the black helmets, white jerseys, black pants. Yes. Brian, your reaction? 
Yeah, yeah. I I I love this combination. The combination that I probably hated the most was the the black pants, the white jerseys with the red helmets. I just they just give you me bad like memories. Yeah. No, because it's always like some bullshit games were winning 21 20 like it, i'm pretty sure they wore them for two lane this year and like it just okay. reminds me of that so i'm sorry okay. i just can't do the can't do the the red i i, I love red helmets but i can't right. do the red helmet with the white jersey with the black the black pants it just not a I, it's not a good look i think they got it right with uh with the uh black white and black without a doubt would you yeah. say so would you yeah. Say so? yeah black white i mean that's that's classic i mean obviously if i i think if we were the home team we would go all black or or black yeah. and red or something like that uh I, I would say this is the best of our of our away uniform combo thank god we're not going white helmets i mean the curse of the league need to just <laughs> throw that away we're done with that yeah no more white helmets that's it we're no more um yeah. so then obviously so let's talk about some uniforms what is the best uniform combo uh that the university of cincinnati has this includes last year's um uh, throwback against Miami. I will include yeah. that. What, what is your favorite UC uniform combo? Home or away? To me, it's the it's the red out, the old school um, Adidas red, red out uh, with the black helmets because that gives me so much of a good memory when they played West Virginia in a ring of red game. Yep, yep. Um, sold out and – you know, you had the the blimp on TV that just showed the ring of red and never and just how just how cool that moment was considering how they were pretty good that that year. Um, you know, that I think the ring the the red for me at night is uh is pretty pretty cool if I have to say. Now cool. I know you're gonna say the black on black. Well, I I was I was I was, yeah. but uh, one of my one of my favorite. I mean, this is a one A and one B. They go back and sure. forth with me. I think obviously if it's a nip and if it's at night, like we have to go a blackout. Uh, go. But if it's anything else, uh, I, I love it when we are wearing black pants, red jerseys, and black helmets with the red socks. I think that looks the best. Uh, we did it against Memphis last year on Halloween, and it looked gorgeous. Um, it, but it's it's uh, it, and again, it, it brings back those memories of the Ring of Red when they played West Virginia, yeah. and when we were talking about moments. You can kind of you can talk about them playing West Virginia and winning that to go to the Orange Bowl. You can also yeah. talk about going for two in Morgantown in 2009 and winning yeah. it and mm -hmm. getting it. Yeah, that's another moment that I think that team had. I think all I think ultimately though that 2009 team was set up to have moments. You know, high powered explosive offense, not a great defense. This yeah. this this 2021 team. Stout, stout offense, stout defense. Run the ball, get it done, and uh, it, it just and just go from there. So yeah. uh, I, I think it's just two entirely different teams. Uh, who, if I had to give you uh, the uh, team's MVP this year, who's getting it? Hmm. Team's MVP, boy, it's a tough one because you could really dish it out a number of ways. Yes, you can. Uh, we'll go off, go way. offense first, and then we'll go defense. So let's go offense first. All right. Well, if I have to go offense, I mean, I, I I have to go with. I mean, you just have to go with Desmond Ritter. I feel like mm -hmm. there's there's no other option. If if we're doing non quarterback, just for the hell of it, we're doing non quarterback offensive MVP. Um, I might have to go Jerome Ford. I might have yeah. to go with him. Um, 
I, you, you could go Alec Pierce. You could go Josh Wiley. Um, uh, on Josh give me, Wiley. Give me, give me, give me Alec Pierce for the you non Alec Pierce for quarterback. Sure. Think, well, who are you going with here? Well, I think the thing is, is about that is, is with Desmond Ritter is he, he, he wasn't really the best player on the team at times. Uh, on the offensive sure. side of the ball, there's a lot of times they sure. had to lean on their receivers making big-time plays or sure. lean on the running game. Uh, but I think overall, for Desmond Ritter, the reason that I'm giving it to him is because of how he has controlled the offense, how he's been able to go out there and get it done in the biggest moments, in the brightest lights, in the clutch. Yeah. When we needed a touchdown, needed to get in the field goal range, he was there. And yeah. uh, I would say, I would say, yeah, offensively, I would go to Desmond Ritter. I think defensively, I, I mean, God, there's just you can you can literally go all around the all around the defense. But this this is gonna surprise yeah. you here. I'm gonna give it to Joel DeBlanco. I'm, I'm gonna, on the defensive side of the ball. Now I know obviously Sauce and and Kobe are are you know destined. You know I know Sauce is going early first round, and you know hopefully Kobe Bryant can sneak into the first round there. That would be really cool for uh, him as a draft pick. But Joel DeBlanco has just been able to lead his de- – it's all about leading the defense and, and putting them in positions to win, and he, do- and he does that. He's been able to be incredibly stout on the run. One of the things that you and I mentioned over this entire year, UC's red zone defense is elite. Like They, they are a bend-break type of defense. It is. It is. You look at the games versus Indiana, you look at the game at Notre Dame – and then obviously you look at the game against Tulsa where they had multiple stops in the red zone. I mean, they, they are a team in the red zone that uh, is stout. They play the run well. And uh, I just, they just, they, they're able to shrink the field. And, you know, when you're able to shrink the field like that as a defense, you really can help yourself out. And, you know, they, they make some good decisions. Now I think Mike, Mike Tresla is a big part of that. Uh, but you also have a couple of all all Americans that you have in, in your backfield, as well as uh, you know guys like uh, Maje Stan Maje Sanders and obviously Curtis Brooks that are up, up front making it happen. So um, yeah, I I completely agree with with the red zone. Um, Who are you I think for the- me, my defensive MVP. Um, if I had to, if I had to go with one, because I feel like you you could pass out a few. Um, I'll go. I'll go with Kobe Bryant, Kobe. just because of the fact that a um, Ahmad Garner wasn't tested. I feel like often this year compared to what Kobe Bryant was, and he was uh, demonstrated that he was a lot more of a lockdown corner. Now, obviously, we know what Sauce can do, and he's the number one corner on this team. But because of the fact that he didn't get many reps, just because of the fact that he wasn't thrown to that often. Um, Kobe Bryant for me, for sure. Um, now, yep. obviously, with this team, and that's that's the beauty. I feel like you could push that in a number of directions in terms of the MVP. Um, mm. Yeah, me, and me, it's all me. valid too. Uh, yeah. Every every yeah, you can you can give it to pretty much anybody on this team, for maybe exceptions of, of maybe maybe you know a couple players here or there. But and you can obviously make a case. I mean, I can make a case for Brian Cooks. I can make a case for Miles yeah. Sanders. Make a case for you can make a case for Darian Beavers too. I mean, you you yeah. really can. Um, you can give it to the entire defensive line, honestly. Yeah. Um, but it just it's 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 been great, and I agree with you that with Ahmad being so good, Kobe gets a 
ton of that the balls thrown to him. It, it's all going to him. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, he's been able to carry the load, and he's been carrying it really well, and that's why he's the number one corner in the country, and that's why he got the yeah. Thorpe Award. I would say if you had to pick a um, coaching MVP, uh, and it can't be Fickle because obviously okay. you pick him. So it's got to be we'll – just, we'll just cut it short between Mike Dembrock and Mike Trestle. Okay. I'm going to go with Trestle because of the You're fact going that – because of the and you can make the the case for for Denbrock, but for Mike Trestle, I think for me, it's the fact that he came in on his first year. Now, obviously, he had a a, a number of um, talented athletes. Obviously, we know that. Right. Um, but I think still coming in and adapting to the team's culture and being able to establish yourself as a coach and still being able to coach and create one of the elite defenses that's been at that way for so many years, especially when you have such a great defensive mind like Marcus Freeman who left. And now as a player, you have to, you know, you have to uh, start being coached by Mike Tressel, who's a guy you probably don't know. You don't know very well. You know, it, that's a yeah, whole process right. that you have to go through it's a in order. Right. It, correct. It's, it's a buy-in. It, it's a buy-in from the culture aspect and all that. So being able to do that um, for me, I think Mike Trestle 100% deserves the coaching MVP considering the season that the defense has had. Now, you yeah. make the case for Mike Denbrock. Yeah, I can make the case for Mike Denbrock here. And Mike, Tre- and Mike Trestle has done a phenomenal job. This is the reason why we are in the college football playoff is because a large part, probably majority of part, is because of our defense, because our defense is that good. Um, yeah. But I, I, I'm going to make the case for Mike Denbrock here. With, with uh, Trestle, he, he has one thing that – Denbrock does not have, and that's Fickle's in big influence on the defense because Fickle's a defensive guy. He's always been a defensive guy. He's been a D coordinator for the longest time in Ohio State. I think a lot, of, I think a lot of it. That's why this defense has transitioned so well from last year to this year. Even though they're losing a coordinator, Fickle's still there. It's still Fickle's defense. It's his defense. And you know, right. I mean, Tressel calls the plays, and Tressel does a good job of doing that. But Fickle does have a final say in pretty much all Fair. of the defense. Fair. Uh, plays and what Mike Denbrock, I, we talked about this a lot. If this team was going to go far in any way, he was going to have to step up, and he has. Uh, they are averaging, I believe, 42 points a game. They've had some mm-hmm. games where the offense has gone stale, but for the most part, they've been able to drive and get points when it is needed. I always, mm-hmm. I just, I go back to the Notre Dame game. Notre yeah. Dame scores a touchdown, six minutes left. Down by there, we're up by four. We need a big boy drive mm-hmm. straight through the heart yeah. of South Bend. And Desmond yeah. Ritter, drive, they drive down and they he puts his guys in spots to, to make plays. Now, does he have a lot of questionable plays? Yeah, but mm-hmm. I, I'll say, I will say, Mike Denbrock, I think he's really improved from last year to this year. And I think yeah. he has really saved Des's legs. Uh, throughout this entire year, because I think we've kind of talked about that. I was like, you don't really see Des running a lot. You see him doing a lot more pocket passes. Yeah. Now, towards the last final four or five games, you've seen him get out of the pocket a lot. You've seen a lot more option. And I think when what you're going to see in the Cotton Bowl is you're going to see that. You're going to see those RPOs. You're going to see Des keep the ball a lot more. Yeah. I think that's going to stifle um, Bama's defense. And yeah. So I- I'm going to give it to Den Brock, but I mean, yeah. again, I can be persuaded both ways. I mean, yeah. Mike Russell had a top, top 10, top five defense. Yeah. That's why we're yeah. there. 
Yeah, one of the one of the, the things that definitely helped Mike Denbrock this year was the explosion of Jerome Ford. Obviously, mm-hmm. we, we had yes. him last year. Yes. Um, but he, re- I, 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 at least I felt like, and, and I think you would agree that he really took off in the sugar in the um, Chick Fil A Peach Bowl last year, yeah. almost at Sugar Bowl, um, yeah. and really took off. And then uh, from there this year, man, he's just been unstoppable for the most part. Now, now has he certainly had games talking about Jerome Ford and in, in, mm-hmm. in the running game where they haven't been as great? Yeah, they have for sure. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I think, and I think even Mike Dembrock gets it. Um, that you know you have to be able to establish your own in order to have a, a dominant passing attack like like UC does, and mm-hmm. you see that when they do have games where they throw for 250, 300 yards or whatever it is, that their running game is pretty complimentary. And I think that we've seen that so far this year. You look at games like UCF, you look at Temple this year, you look at um, their first game of the year against Miami. I mean, very complimentary that they play complimentary football within the offense and. You know, that's just so critical, and especially when you yeah. get against a, a team like Alabama and what they can do. Um, their physicality on defense is obviously going to be a concern, so it's not going to be ground and pound all the way down the field and then punching at the goal line. So it's, it's you know, it's going to be it's it's going to be uh, some big boy football that, that UC is going to have, have to play. All that being said, as we got down that rabbit hole, I – can agree that Mike Denbrock, he definitely deserves some consideration uh, for coaching MVP. I mean, he, I think last year, he was in, oh, 100%. I I think last year he was in some hot water after the Georgia game. And I think a lot of UC fans were upset uh, with how that game ended. And you you could mark us us two in in that category. But you look at this year, and I feel like there's been a lot of games where – you know, a lot of the right calls have been made. And obviously it's easy to say it now. And when it doesn't work out, we always, we're always quick to criticize the coaching and the offensive play calling, but that's just the way it is. Um, Hindsight 2020 always worse. Uh, And so uh, he, yeah, he could definitely earn offensive, um, or I'm sorry, he could definitely earn the MVP for the uh, coaching staff. And uh, I feel pretty confident with that. Yeah, and it, it, it really it goes both ways, and you, you brought it up. And, and, excuse me, I know you have to go here, but I, I got two more questions for you I want to close it out with. And I think you and I are going to have both the same answer to this, and I think every single UC fan is going to have the same answer to this. Who has been the most disappointing this year? The most Maybe not who, but what part of the – it could be it could be a player, it could be a part of the game. Who's been most disappointing? Coach, player. Could be anything. Who, who's your most? I have my disappointing. answer. Okay. Well, I I think I know what your answer is going to be. So I'm going to try and pick a different answer. Uh, so okay. can you give me give me a minute because I'm I'm trying to think of trying to go through the list of of uh, possibilities right. that it could be. And, okay. All right. All right. All right. You, you you think about it then. I'm I'm going to talk about yeah. what uh what what disappointed me the most. Go and ahead. I think, again, every single Cincinnati fan could say this. The kicking game has been absolutely. Yeah. Atrocious. Uh, yeah. If we both agree on it, then I mean, it is true. It has been very disappointing. It's something that I mean, it's just a drive killer, and we now we have to game plan around that. That's another thing that was yeah. setting us back. And I think honestly, you look at you look at this game, and, and you think if UC is going to be in it, it's going to be down to the wire. And if we got to make yeah. a big kick, I do not trust us to make a big no. kick. God, hey, no. 
I don't trust. I would. I trust. I honestly, I trust Bama's offense against our defense more than I trust our offense having to drive down and then our special teams having to try to kick the game-winning field goal. I just, I don't see it. They're, they obviously, they just, they can't make anything. I mean, in Houston, they, they're miss, they miss chip shots in the AAC championship game. Now the rest of our team stepped up. But what if they don't? And what if we need yeah. to rely on a kick? And then yeah. we're screwed. Then that's it. And then we're playing in the freaking Birmingham Bowl. And we're right. thinking, wow, what a, what a lost season this has been. Yeah. Uh, for me, the most disappointing, I'll go with the boneheaded penalties that we've had over the course yeah. of the season. Yeah. And there's certainly been yeah. quite a few um, just really just non, non-fickle non stuff. You know, mm-hmm. just like from a guy that, that preaches culture, that preaches – you know, playing the game the right way and doing things the right way and coming to work, lunch pail, ready to go. Like they just had some boneheaded shit that happened this mm-hmm. this season. And, um, you know, you make one or two of those uh, mistakes against Alabama a- A&M, they're probably not going to hurt you. But you yeah. make th- those mistakes against the Crimson Tide, probably going to hurt you. So yeah. um, mm-hmm. for me, man, they got to button that crap up like, Last year in the Peach Bowl, you know, prime example, James Hudson doing some yeah. boneheaded mistake. I mean, yeah. you know, and I mean, it's it's obviously e- easy to say, you know, the bullets aren't aren't flying where where we are, so we don't really have to say, you know. Uh, but dude, man, you gotta keep that yeah. that stuff buttoned down because eventually that's gonna hurt you. It didn't it didn't hurt you against Tulsa or Tulane or whoever, but it will hurt you against Alabama. Yeah, they, the, those. I mean, you just can't have pre-snap penalties can't happen. You're both both sides of the ball. Both sides of the ball have shown that they that they are not immune to pre-snap penalties, and that is going to kill you. They're drive killers. They are. Yeah. And they've had. I mean, you know, a big. You know, you get a big sack, or you get a you get an interception that's brought back by a defensive holding, or it's brought back by an offsides, or because we're jumping too early. So yeah, you right. we got to be careful with this snap count. All right, I'm going to hit you with one more last question. I have my answer. I, I think you, you I, I have two that could go yeah. uh, either way. Who has been the biggest surprise for you this year in terms of a good, in terms of good? Like, who's been the biggest surprise? I have my answer. I, I have two that are possibly, I would say, A and B. Who's been the biggest surprise for you? Biggest surprise this year for me is the uh, – why don't you go ahead and give me your answer? I'm going to go ahead and go with Lenny Taylor. I I, I, mm-hmm. I think I, I did not expect from that much. I thought last year, I mean, obviously with the amount of touches that Josh Wiley got last year, he was going to be the main guy to catch passes. But then we started seeing Lenny Taylor start catching a lot. We started seeing Josh Wiley more in the blocking game. We're like, why, why is that? And then Lenny Taylor showed exactly why, because he can catch those 50-50 balls. He can go up and make a play. He can out-muscle everybody around him. And so now that, you, now that that creates a – dual threat of Josh Wiley and it creates a dual threat of Lenny Taylor. So I would say Lenny Taylor gets my most surprising in a good way. He's played really well. I believe he's got 10 touchdowns, maybe 11. And uh, so we just got to keep going back to him and uh, he's, he's played really well. And then I have another one, but I want to let you go. You're fine. Uh, Biggest surprise for me coming into the year was the amount of players that came back from the uh, COVID-19 extra year of eligibility. Um, Uh Just because I, I feel like, um, you know, a lot of them said that there was unfinished business at the end of the Peach Bowl last year. And yeah. a lot of them bought in with the fact that, uh, you know, we'll return next year and we'll make something great happen, whether it's in that group of six 
whatever bowl or the college football playoff. And I think that's a, a large, uh, that speaks to, a, a, you know, obviously a large testament to Luke Fickle and who he is as a, as a coach. And he got his players to buy into the culture and a large number of those players came back for an extra year of eligibility to play football and to get back what was theirs. And so, man, that was awesome to see. Uh, and especially it definitely helped them out. Um, over the course of the year. Yep. That, that's, that, that's big. Yeah. You didn't really go one player. It, it, I agree with you. I mean, seeing those players come back and you're like, okay, they're building some, something special here. Luke Fick yeah. is doing something right. Yeah. I'm going to go hit you with one more here. Uh, yeah. I would, I would say Lorenz Metz has, has greatly improved over that's a good one. playing last year. He's on that right side. Uh, Des, I mean, Des has seen some pressure this year, but overall, Lorenz Metz has held his own. He's been doing quite well. He's limited his, pre-snap penalties now he's not immune to them he still has them but he's limited them quite quite a bit mm-hmm. and he's been he's been a really he's been a really pleasant pleasant surprise he's he must have gone into the offseason did some work and and because i mean he he performed so poorly after james hudson went out um he performed so poorly in the peach bowl so uh, you know I, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'll also throw lorenz madsen there I, I think he's he's improved greatly yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's about that about does it here, Brian. I know you got to go. We still got uh, we still got one more show left, uh, and then after that, it's going to be national championship show. So, going to be a good time. So we're going to do one more next week before the game, so that way we can break down exactly what's going to happen. I will be in Dallas. If anybody's going to be in Dallas, please hit me up uh, and uh, come and see me. But uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Back Row Bengals Show College Football Special Edition. And uh, this is all brought to you by Fansided.com. So log into Fansided, read some of my blogs, read some of our other blogs, listen to some podcasts. We all like to have a fun around here. We are, we are going to be back at 10 a.m. tomorrow talking the Bengals versus the Ratbirds with Strawberry Ice. Uh, so it's going to be fun. So we'll, we'll be there at 10 a.m. It's going to be an early start tomorrow. So anyway, thank you all for listening. Hootay. Peace.